0: Constant Warning, Mentions of Riots and Faustian Compacts. Hello and welcome to the Billy Shears Club. I'm your host today, Caleb Clark, and with me today we have lovely Cassie Draymel. How are you doing today, Cassie?
1: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm doing alright, thank you. We've got two lovely albums for you today, folks. New World Records by e- ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, and The Stone Roses by The Stone Roses. Uh, can you give us a quick intro onto to ELO, or Cassie?
1: ELO started sort of as a band, they wanted to pick up where the Beatles left off and they wanted to do a rock band that had a lot of like, um, you know, strings and they wanted to do some sort of experimental things. Um, This album is their sixth album and I think it's sort of the most definitive ELO album. Um, It's the second with their full lineup that they had, um, the first with their like iconic logo i think they really figured out their sound really really well on this album um yeah yeah i I really like this album
0: yeah very cool yeah we can start on it uh do you prefer track by track or like favorite and least favorite um maybe track by track okay let's go track by track okay yeah starts off with tightrope what are you like what's your thoughts on the first one
1: yeah I really like the the way that it opens. It sounds so like ominous with all the the strings and the what the synth is doing with the lasers um and I think it sets off sort of a tone for what I think of as a sort of theme for this album and also a lot of e l o songs of sort of just i see a lot of like disappointment <laughs> like he yeah. he's expecting things to go wrong and no one to help him, and then he's surprised when someone does at least. I mean, that's what's going on lyrically. And then with the the music, you know, there's all the strings and then also the really rock and roll sound that's going on too. So,
0: yeah. yeah. It's pretty, it's a really nice one, yeah. I didn't have too much on this one in particular, but yeah, it definitely does set the general yellow sound, like you say, strings in the rock. It's very big sound, lots of layers going on. These different flavors, and it's, cool. it's a cool one. A nice groove to it. We can go into the telephone line. That's the next one. Sure. Yeah. I'll be honest. Sorry.
1: You go go ahead. You you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, telephone line is, it's like my favorite ELO song, actually. I just, I love all the layers and the instrumentation to me. seems so lush and there's so much going on. And I think there's a lot of emotion and everything um i just really really love how it like opens up and the music swells for the like doo part um mm-hmm. but it's also so melancholy and sad too yeah,
0: it's definitely one of the more heart-wrenching breakup songs with just the pleading yeah connection they like doo-wop I don't, I don't i don't know like maybe it's Personally, I do feel like, I don't know about the beat for me personally. It's not quite, I don't know. It's like at a weird tone for me personally between like, it's slow enough that you like, it's still sad, but like, it's just got the, still the very bright yellow sound with the doo-wop elements that it's still some lyrical dissonance. So I don't know. That was on, it drew me a little bit when I listened to it. Maybe that's because I came. I think part of it might be like I got introduced to it through this cover version by uh, Puddle's Pity Party. Have you ever watched any of his stuff?
1: Uh, no, I haven't.
0: Okay, yeah, he's this uh, he's this like baritone singer who dresses up in like classical clown makeup and does sad covers of pop songs. And so, like, I think I'm a little. I was introduced to the song through his version, where he sort of used it to segue into. Hello by Adele, I think he's a little oh, bit more stripped down, I... so that might, Okay. I think I think that might influence my take on it, because I've had this other version in my head for a while.
1: That's interesting, I'll have yeah. to check that out. Yeah, it's pretty
0: good, he's got a lot of good covers. Yeah, that was my take.
1: Okay. Yeah, for me, I think it's just something about like the way that the music swells right there. It's just so, so mm-hmm. emotional, it just feels like he's, I don't know. Just like the richness of the emotion, even though it's like a really sad emotion. It's just, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that lushness of the the instrumentation definitely brings out a lot. I will say like using the little sense to sort of sound like the phone, that was a nice touch. Yeah, like you were saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Weird Mm -hmm. trivia about that. They actually um, did that on a Moog. They called a U.S. number that they knew no one would answer from England because they wanted a U.S. (laughs) sound. So they called it and they listened to it and they replicated it on a moog
0: that's so cool yeah <laughs> it's <was> crazy <laughs> yeah after that we get into the rock aria i think this is where the album really clicks for me where i'm like really digging it with the switches between the operatic singing bits and then it goes into the more of the glam rock and then they come together that was that's like the epitome of the yellow sound and i really like that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah the first time i heard the song because it's like so raucous or something i don't that's wrong the wrong word but like i was kind of like what but then it's like really grown on me and i I agree with what you're saying it's like it really is like Mm -hmm. an epitome of their sound with the whole rock and roll elements plus the opera it's like yeah Yeah. that interesting combination Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, cool. And after that, we get uh, Mission, a world record. That was. What uh, do you think on that one? What do you think on that one?
1: It's, it's weird, but it's their kind mm-hmm. of weird. Like, they have mm-hmm. a couple, I think they have like two concept albums, and this feels like mm-hmm. a concept song to me. Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's interesting. I think, I think it fits into their theme that they have going on for themselves as a band of this whole like spaceship, you know, something from outer space kind of thing with the whole, like looking at earth from an outsider as if it was like, I don't know, an alien watching earth or something. Then I I also think it fits into that pessimism, but I really like the line, um, planet earth from way up there is beautiful and blue and floating softly through a rainbow when you touch down things look different it's like again it fits into that thinking something's going to be good and then it's it's not as good as you'd want it to be sort of thing
0: yeah yeah it's definitely really sad one and like that's sort of that i don't know it's obviously a very different song in almost every aspect but still reminds me a lot of like space oddity just for like both being really sad space age sounds good it's definitely another favorite. Like I feel like they they really use their sound to bring out the sadness in yeah. a way that like the little string pull whenever you get to the sort of the saying the mission of the sacred heart. That was mm-hmm. that was always cool.
1: Yeah,
0: After that one. It's so fine, which I really love because it's just so hyped up and energetic. It's got so many little catchy parts. I love the chorus. And then yeah. when it gets into sort of the breakdown with all the little weird synthy weirdness and the drums and then the strings start coming back in, it's a good time. I really love that. It shows a lot of their energy and ideas just bouncing off each other.
1: Right. Yeah. It's really fun. I think it's a good breather after the last song, too.
0: Next up on this album, got 11 Thing. That has some nice hooks. That's nice. It's another the strong song
1: yeah this is one of my favorite Elo songs too I just love the the strings at the beginning I think mm-hmm. they're just absolutely gorgeous just like yeah whatever that is it's really it's really really beautiful and then I think again um it's that still that sort of Whole, it's a it's a living thing. It's a t- terrible thing to lose. Again, it's just like yeah. more of Jefflin's writing about you know, sort of sad again, but also not. It's like there's something good. There is something good, yeah. but it's like you're afraid to lose it. And then the music is so just like big and um,
0: I do like that. That's sort of to it is good um and for that one we get above the clouds i really like that one
1: yeah i like this one a lot it's it's really short i feel like but mm-hmm. it it kind of does a lot in the time that it's there and i also think it's interesting hearing um kelly grokett sing with jefflin like that never ever happens um mm-hmm. so yeah hearing them like Play off of each other when they're singing, um, and then the whole telling me it's fantasy thing. It's like I don't know. I I like that one a lot. Um, I think all of these songs are are a little bit sad because it's like this is like he he's in his fantasy world and he's like, you know, I'm okay here. I'm gonna stay here in this fantasy world. And it's fine. <laughs>
0: Woof. OK.
1: Just like with the I'm waiting here, but it's all right.
0: Thanks. <laughs> and after that one, we get DoYa. which I thought that was pretty sort of similar energy to SoFi in terms of just like going all out with the hooks and the yeah. cool fun parts. That was nice. That's good.
1: Cool. Yeah, I like Yeah, Douya yeah. so has a lot of energy. Definitely, it's very, very much a rock song. Very hype. Um, I think that if you listen to the lyrics, though, it, it it kind of sounds like he wrote it when he was drunk or something. No. I don't know what it is. It's just like, do you do you want my face, woman? I think you know what I'm <laughs> trying to say, woman. It just says all these things that don't make any sense,
0: and it's great. I could see that. I could I could see you at the bar, you know. Do you like my face, woman? You know, I mean. Yeah, exactly. And it closes out with Shangri La. It's like a little slower, but still very layered, still really good closer.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I agree that it's a really good closer. It, um, I kind of, I feel like it ties everything together a little bit too that popped up on the album before. Um, with like, all the themes of like sadness or disappointment, and then brings it back to a hopeful place when he's saying, I'll return to Shangri-La. And then you have like the guitar is so so beautiful and so melancholy. And then the, the long fade out with the opera singer coming back in. Um, yeah. And then, of course, he, he has to nerd out about the needles at the end with the whole,
0: yeah, I, I love me.
1: He's like, Judy, baby. Yeah, it's great. <laughs>
0: It's a really good thing. that that was sort of funny. I, I don't know. That is that is always an interesting comparison, like them trying to be the Beatles onward. I don't know. They are still, I guess, it really all the things that I would say about it make sense in context, given that it's like both the Beatles, a post-Beatles world trying to be the Beatles with, but like, you know, it's like not as speak on the psychedelia elements. A uh, lot more layers, like you saw on Abbey Road, you know. Uh, you know, there's the glam rock influence and all that. Right. It's, like, it's a really good time. Very nice, really well produced. Got some good lyrics to it. Really fun time. time. Yeah. That's good. Ready for the Stone Roses then? Any last sure. thoughts? That's good. Uh, all right. So, start us off, backstory. So the Stone Roses. So they're a British band hailing from Manchester, England They formed up around 1983. They had various members had been in groups together for the last few years and there were some lineup change uh, but they basically started as a band at that point. The main band members seem to be at least by the time we get to the actual album and they're like the long standing lineup are Ian Rowe, Brown on vocals. Uh Manny, also known as Gary, Gary Mounfeld Fields, Rennie, aka Alan John Wren, and John Squire are the main four. So they start off as kind of your typical mediocre-ish British post-punk alternative rock band, you know. Sounds like modern English, but more alternative and less good. Uh, They start sort of getting more into like sort of psychedelia, get a little dancier, get more into like sort of classic pop and rock they're sort of like beatles and Mamas and the papas and whatnot and the as the time goes on and they start to get more popular as they're going around playing a ton of clubs and they're part of what's called the Manchester movement just like this whole british indie rock thing in the late 80s and early 90s where it's like you take psychedelia with funk rock and house music and rave and put it all together in this weird mix other the other big band in it was Happy Mondays, and there were some slightly smaller groups like the Charlatans and Spiral Carpets, EMF, uh, Primal Screen, and the uh, Stone Roses were one of the big ones. They were sort of hard because they're a lot more guitar focused than most of the bands, and like you can make this whole thing about you know genre and whatnot. But long story short, they don't sound entirely like most of the Manchester groups, but they're like one of the big names that come out of it, and so they managed to release this album uh it gets really acclaimed it starts to get big some of their singles get really big in britain and they end up like playing this huge concert that's basically like woodstock for britain in 1989 or 1990 or so and like they're really popular and then like it's all kind of falls apart for them first of all like around 1990 or so in an interview they say america doesn't deserve us yet and they say they won't go performing in the united states until they can sell out shea stadium in new york and so they just kind of Cut off that entire market, which is the biggest music consumption market in the world, which was a bad move. And then they get into, like, this long lawsuit with your label to try to get out of a contract. And then, like, there's some personal tragedies. And by some accounts, they weren't really wanting to make music at this point. They just kind of wanted to watch football and hang around. But by 1994, they managed to scrounge together this album called Second Coming. It, it sells well at first, but it ends up being really divisive and... At this point, the Manchester movement had sort of died because they had taken five years to record a second album and people didn't like it very much. Plus, the Happy Mondays had a very intense burnout and one of the main labels had gone bankrupt because of that intense burnout. And most of the other Manchester bands kind of floated away and then Britpop became a thing with like Oasis, which coincidentally was inspired by the Stone Roses because one of the Gallagher Brothers was at a Stone Roses show and I was like, huh, music seems like a fun career. And then... Uh, yeah, the band breaks up in 95, they all go do their thing, then they come back together in 2011, and then they break up again later on. And so that's Stone Roses. Quick pocket history, isn't it? So we can start off on I Wanna Be Adored. What did you think of that one? I
1: thought it was a really, really good opener, and I liked the, the riffs and like the sound of it. felt like very atmospheric to me. Yeah, I just really
0: like, I like the sound. I thought it was good for opening. I definitely got that, that sort of weird thing. I think you mentioned when you were texting me earlier how it's got that thing where it can simultaneously sound really calming and blissful, but also very creepy. Right. It's got yeah. that vibe here with all the cool riffs. It's like this very calming, very pretty guitar lines going in a very nice space drum chugging along in all the very late 60s kind effects, but like the singers just sort of, they're doing a a monotone down Lennon impression, telling about how he sold his soul and he wants to be adored, which is like, oh boy, this is a villain song.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of haunting, I thought. Well, a lot of their songs are kind of haunting on here, I think. Yeah.
0: It's a really good song. It's got like all these cool little breakdown moments. Just really pretty song. It's also a testament to the produ- the main producer on this, this guy named John Lecky, who's a seems to have been had a pretty good producing career, because and some of their on one of the the deluxe editions I found on Spotify, they have the demos for it, and it sounds terrible. So he did a lot of work to me. This song. Because <laughs> that. The singer on this has a very limited style. And mm-hmm. talent, But they make it work. Yeah, and then after that, you get She Bangs the Drums. I really like that one. It's really joyful, really poppy. You know, it's like something the Beatles would have recorded way back. But yeah. like a bit more dream poppy. You know, with all the. Soundscapeness. And it's nice. It's a really good time.
1: Yeah, I really liked it. It sounded very like cheerful and happy and but it also um I mean but the, the last song obviously has some real distant jury, but it shows up several times on the albums. And I noticed this song has a little bit of that too, with the, the line passion, fruit and holy bread. So I kind of <laughs> wonder what that's doing. I don't have a theory. <laughs> but I wonder what it's doing in, in this song. So
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't know too much about their religious preferences. I mean, given the general attitudes of British rock towards religion, they might have just thought it was cool imagery, or it had to be you know, cool. But yeah, it's really nice. And after that, we get waterfall. That was cool. That was another one with really pretty Beatles-y vibe. A little guitar line. That was nice.
1: like this one a lot i think it might be my favorite just because it sounds i don't know it's very pretty and also like the last one very very happy sounding
0: yeah and after that you get don't stop which is waterfall but they put it in reverse and then they sort of apparently improvised lyrics for it that was really cool i guess it's a cool trick to do and it worked really well but
1: yeah, that was really cool. It's always it's always fun when people do backward stuff. And I've I've heard a few things in other songs by other artists that like part of it was backward. It is cool to have like yeah. all of it be backward like that. Like and that they actually made it work was cool.
0: Yeah. And they showed a lot of ingenuity. Mm-hmm. And then they did. Yeah. After that, you got "Bye Bye, Batman," just another one with a nice calming sound, very soothing. But apparently, it's about student the some student riots in 1968. Going a weird territory on this album.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I was wondering who you know who the bad man was. So that's interesting. I was like,
0: who's the bad man? Now I know. Yeah. Na, 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 bad man. That was good. Here's another one. It, I do find that they like I think. I guess my main comments have started to get repetitive. I've I've think it's like they do definitely all the songs do definitely have like little bits and pieces, you know, like very unique riffs and vibes to them that make them stand out. But a lot of them do sort of come into that. I've I've noticed it's like, I've been talking, it's like, wow, I can't really say much beyond it. has a pretty, yeah, yeah,
1: but they all do, so yeah, I really like the contrast between the music and the lyrics on this song, too.
0: Yeah, it's always fun,
1: yeah.
0: And after that, we get uh, what they call it, dear Elizabeth, Elizabeth, my dear, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they, to the tune of Scarborough Fair, they're like, "I'm going to throw overthrow the English monarchy." It's like,
1: okay. Yeah, it was it was so pretty that I just listened to it several times before I even realized that's what it was like about. So yeah, yeah. I was like, "Wait a minute, okay."
0: These, imp- these impish Brits and their. Snarky revolutions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After that, Sugar Spun Sister. They didn't have a lot on that. Like, the chords were nice, but not, not a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was nice and, and pretty. Um... With the music and everything, just like the other songs, very nice, like, like the, you know, the production and everything. Um, I did think that it was cool that it sounded like a love song, but then you listen and it almost sounds like he's saying she's not ever satisfied with anything and it's taking a toll on him. So there's more to it or something. So that was kind of interesting to me.
0: And after that, we get Made of Stone, which is a little bit more dramatic and also is once again about student riots. Same student riots, apparently. Really liked writing about that work. i mean, That's cool.
1: Yeah, I like the guitar solo on that one a lot.
0: After that, we get Shoot You Down. I like it because one, it's got like Pretty unique within the album sound, like with the brush drums. And it's a more sort of beachy kind of vibe, you know, sort of like Empire Weekend dish, I guess maybe. I don't know that many indie rock bands, yeah. but you know, it's got that laid back, sort of slightly soulful tinge to the guitar, but it's like this really petty <laughs> breakup song. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Like, a, lot of, a lot of musicians owe a lot to these guys. Yeah. After that, we good. This is the one, and I like that one, because it's got sort of building back into the really majestic atmospheric vibes from earlier. It's got this very cool sort of pull and release and pull and release type structure that really lets it build up and keeps you engaged. I like that. That was a good technique.
1: Yeah, I I agree with the whole atmospheric and I loved all the, the reverb and the tones on the guitar and everything. It's really nice and very, very, very pretty.
0: And after that, we get big album closer, unless you got the US re-release. <laughs> I am the resurrection. That's a bit blasphemous. A little bit. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> I feel like this is the kind of thing that you're listening to if you're a villain in an anime that's the part where you've gotten all the powers and you turn into, like, a skinny teenager. <laughs> it always happens in anime scenes, and this is what's going through people's heads.
1: I you like know, it's that. has got
0: that. Yeah, it's oh, got so... that I... oh, sorry.
1: Sorry, no, you go Sorry.
0: <laughs> right, I was going to, you go ahead.
1: I was just going to say I like that take on it, because I was, I was when I was listening to it, I was wondering, like, what he meant by I Am The Resurrection and ha- you know, how to interpret that. So I, I like, I like your interpretation of that. That's all. Yeah.
0: yeah, It's more comfortable than the one where <laughs> this is Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Speaking. Yeah. And it sort of starts off with that nice sort of, you know, driving beach, and then it breaks into the parts where it's screaming blasphemies, and then it kind of goes back to the verse and then more last means, and then it sort of goes into like the funkier rock guitar solos and all that. That was really cool. That was really cool. That was. Bad. It was a really good closer for the album, you know, with all the drama and larger than lifeness to it.
1: Like that. Yeah. I I agree. It's a really good closer, and it's weird to have Fool's Gold instead as a closer on the U.S. release because I think I agree that this is really really a good closer for this album.
0: Do you want to touch on Fool's Gold since we've mentioned it now and like? Yeah. I don't know if you listen to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This apparently this one got to be a pretty big bit hit. Like I think like in the top five or something over over in Britain. That is. I don't think they ever had much like chart success, and, but it got pretty big over there. Like and like, definitely much more Manchester sound with the very heavy hip y drums and more of the groove.
1: Yeah,
0: but it was okay. I wasn't a huge fan.
1: Yeah, I wasn't really either. Um, the the sound of it reminded me a little bit of the like solo part. On the I'm the Resurrection, so I I wonder if, you know, there's some tie in there or something, but I still don't think it's as good of a closer. Um, it, it doesn't quite fit as well with the rest of the album either, I don't think.
0: Yeah, it's very kind of a place where it's all the throwbacks to the psychedelic pop, and then suddenly, and here, no, here's, I don't know. CNC Music Factory to lay the beat.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I know. Overall, I still really liked a good vibey time. Looking for some psychedelic rock, and if you want to listen closer and find the lyrical edge, it's there too. So. Mm. Any last thoughts, or...? Um...
1: I guess just, I... I enjoyed listening to this album. I hadn't listened to it before, and it was really... it was really nice, um... I'd probably listen to the Stone Roses more
0: often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good to Yeah, I definitely recommend this album. Not as much the second one. I haven't been able to get through the, the whole thing, but... The first track is eleven minutes long, and the first four minutes... Four and a half minutes of that is I'm doing warm-ups basically on drums and whatnot right and then it wasn't as good as this definitely so put this on, Ruthie that's what I would say mm-hmm. that's all go ahead and close it out okay alright, thank you so much for listening today yeah, as we listened to were. New World Record by ELO, and The Stone Roses by The Stone Roses. I'm Caleb Clark.
1: I'm Cassie Dremel.
0: And thank you for listening to The Billy Shears Club.